On Saturday, February 25th, Nigerians head to the polls to elect a new president and members of parliament. There's been a lot of tension over the past month as they've gone up to the elections, and part of it has been in the cyberspace. It's not a new trend. Cyber threats in relation to election security has been a reoccurring issue in Nigeria, dating back to it more prominently in the 2015 elections and the 2019 elections. It's not just a Nigerian problem. There's been a debate across the world, especially in terms of the US elections uh, in 2016. Hello, welcome to the Crisis Room, a podcast from Human Angle. I am Marcel Abdullah. In this podcast, we look at crisis trends across the country and answer the tough questions around there. This week, I'm here with a guest, the head of investigation at Human Angle, Kunle Agibaja. Hello, Kunle. Welcome to the crisis room. (laughs) Thank you for having me. So we are looking at disinformation and election security. Mm-hmm. And more importantly, election integrity. Um, because when we look at these conversations that followed uh, uh, the US election 2016, there were a lot of concerns about interference and all that. Yeah. And so both, today we're focusing a lot in terms of the Nigerian space. And more recently, we saw the uh, the Guardian report around the hiking of materials and how that was in relation to the uh, Cambria analytical uh, debate that have shaped in terms of data uh, work of data consulting uh, firms and also how they interact with elections. So what's the correlation between disinformation and election security? Uh, well, thanks. So the narrative surrounding an election campaign period is very important because it determines, first of all, um, how people approach the elections, what they expect from the polls. And if people expect that this would be the outcome and something else results, they would naturally view that there's been some form of sabotage. And you can see this is where a lot of the candidates are saying, oh, this poll is saying this person would win. Let me also try to get a poll that would favor me. So that because the expectation matters, people also vote based on what they think others are going to vote for. Um, again, because of the bandwagon effect. So the the quality of information that's available to people would naturally determine, number one, the wisdom with which they choose the candidates or the aspirants for mm-hmm. various posts and what they expect from the election. And, you know, uh, if at the end of the day, an election is free and fair, but there's a lot of disinformation. It could also lead to outrage, public opera after the polls are done. But of course, we should not also, um, at the same time, it, it's also important to have a decentralization of the information dissemination process such yeah. that people are also able to tell that this is exactly what is going on in the grassroots. This is what's going on in at various polling units. So if there is maybe child voters, if there is rigging, if there is violence, people should also be able to track such incidents. But when you can't tell facts from fiction, when you don't know for certain that, because for example, you'd find people bringing pictures from outside Nigeria to say, hey, maybe uh, they're bringing Nigerians to come and vote in Nigeria, whereas it may not be true. true. Or that uh, they're killing people in, in certain places, whereas... It's probably pictures from some other country. 
it would also pollute the minds of people mm-hmm. and could trigger very, very um, un- unpalatable consequences. So it, I, you mentioned two things really, and kind of leads to my next question in terms of the tactics of disinformation. So we've seen basically attempt to influence people's decision mm-hmm. heading towards the election and also to pollute their minds, either in terms of either to make them not to vote. Mm-hmm. I think when uh, the report was released in terms of the 2016 election and how online uh, there were a lot of uh, attempts to influence that election, then we saw that oh, part of it including voter suppression. So a lot of people think voter suppression is about just sending talks to the another person's polling you to chase people out, which actually involves like making people see that, oh, there's no need to vote or this candidate is bad, or that kind of thing. So what are the tactics that we see and what kind of social media are more prominent in terms of being used for this and why? Well, like you said, the, the Guardian reports reviewed some of those uh, things that people were not paying attention to earlier. The fact that sometimes they plant news reports in the media uh, and the, the Tim Jogi people, the Israeli firm that was recently exposed, was claiming to have been involved in the postponement of the elections in 2019 yeah. um, by planting some image about women who were not able, who were disenfranchised, Muslim women, and all that. Even I, I, I do not know if this is really what happened. Uh, but these are the efforts that people make. Yeah. And hacking into the accounts, social media accounts of political figures, trying to uh, cause rancor or discredit certain candidates and all that. We've also seen attempts to malign certain candidates mm-hmm. or attempts to uh portray certain candidates as um uh, as badly as possible maybe oh, this person is a sharia yeah. uh, evangelist or whatever and so different tactics are employed we've we've also seen with the with the case of brexit and with the us elections how people target people based on big data massively yeah. uh uh script data from social media to say, oh, this is what this person is leaning towards, so let us bombard them with certain advertisements yes. and all that. And we've seen documentaries flying in Nigeria. You know, these are these are the things that they use. Uh, but then again, we've also started seeing some form of coordinated disinformation on social media where, you know, the image of 20 people sitting in a room or 200 people on a WhatsApp group saying, oh, let us push this certain hashtag yeah. so that it could trend, so that millions of people would see it. Yeah. And for this particular result, uh, of course, coordinated um, uh, information dissemin- uh, dissemination may be positive, may be negative, but when you now do this to promote hate speech or to promote this information, it becomes a problem. Yeah. Because, yeah, again, you are sort of uh, polluting the information available to people and trying to manipulate their thought processes. Yeah, it's quite uh, interesting, and I think this is something that we we'll continue to see, especially as the, there's more internet penetration, more people have access to social media, whether in terms of Facebook, Twitter, Telegram, and WhatsApp. Mm-hmm. And then all of these mediums, we have like different ways on which this information is spread along the. Absolutely. I think more recently, Human and Group released an investigation around. Uh, uh, someone who is seeking for a parliamentary position in the north central part of the country and how a network of disinformation were used mm-hmm. in an attempt to like uh, 
pin the person black and that we discredit them uh, as the elections ones up. So you've been in the disinformation space for a while because disinformation is not just related to elections. It's something that keeps happening for different social and political reasons. And so um, based on your experience in the field over the years and as we head towards elections, uh, what do you think journalists should be looking out for? Well, I, I think, I mean, number one, journalists have to be proactive uh, to ensure that, because as the saying goes, a lie travels halfway across the world before the truth is able yeah. to get its pants on. So being fast and being accurate without, you know, um, sacrificing accuracy is, is also very important. And we also need to be able to push Fact checks as people are pushing, yes, as as effectively as people are pushing this information. So you can use different mediums, video, audio, infographics, text, just to make sure that you reach a, as broad an audience as possible. There's also the need for collaboration. So I, I understand that when elections approach, various newsrooms come together to form like an election coalition on tackling this this information. So when they publish. A certain fact check multiple newsrooms publish at the same time just to make sure that they also yeah. uh, reach bigger get bigger eyeballs and viewership so i think that's important uh, it's it's also important to collaborate with civil society actors people with eyes on the ground because there are some information that fly around which you can't verify yeah. without having legs on the ground too because maybe the picture is recent there's no way to use reverse image search to try to contextualize the picture, but you just need somebody on the ground to ask local actors to say, okay, is this true? Did you observe this? That, that's also really crucial. Uh, so yeah, proactiveness, collaboration, and being able to dis uh, disseminate fact checks using as as varied methods as possible. Yeah. I mean, you did you did the reports on the Kogi candidates. Yeah. I, I think you would maybe have some things <laughs> to share. Did you find similar incidents? Yeah, it's quite... Um... It was quite an interesting uh, investigation when you look at it, like going be beyond what's in the surface. And so sometimes people just find a, a, a conversation going online. And then they don't know that actually that conversation is not organic. It's certain being around. And then you have this account uh, interacting with each other to ensure they push the momentum. And something that is tricky that is happening online, especially on Twitter, that we see is that people tend to jump up something that is trending. But what they don't know they're doing is that they end up amplifying that conversation and it could actually be a very dangerous conversation. Mm -hmm. I think some of the things that we cannot... Well, I understand that Twitter has already taken action against some of those accounts that were part of the Natasha uh, disinformation campaign. Okay. But what it means is that there needs to be, like, tech companies need to also take up more responsibility. And we hope that they will do that, especially as we head towards the election, having their teams really work hard uh, to ensure that if this a case of this information that they identify it fast, the algorithms work fast, the people behind the algorithm also work fast, and then it's removed before it cuts. Because as I said, these things move like fire. Yeah. And so if, you, if you're if you not proactive enough, ensuring that you have people on ground who understand the context as you earlier stated, because sometimes this identifying this information and going after them requires understanding the context around them. And so you need uh, local specialists mm. to assist, and whether in terms of journalists or having people internally within the safety uh, unit of this organization. So, yeah, it was quite an interesting revelation working with Code for Africa and how they went behind the scene, looking at the looking at the network, the web, I'll call it a web, because you have these uh, various sections uh, in between together. And yeah, and as you stated, fact-checking is super important, ensuring that it's done. I cannot, I won't 
but it's kind of like a war home situation because really people will be doing a lot. Uh, either so, for example, someone could just post, "Oh, there's violence in so so and so area," and there's actually no violence. But the idea is to stop people from going there to vote. Mm. So when people hear there is violence in this location, they'll be like, "Oh, no, I'm not going to vote." Yes. But it's actually not happened, and so automatically they have surprised another political opponent. So it's yes. we're, we're quite an interesting time. So yeah, at, at human angle, uh, I believe. And already, it's not. Uh, we already will announce certain uh, measures that we're taking, and we've already started that in terms of the annotation and other things that we're doing. And so, uh, uh, and you've already spoken on what other journalists can do. And so, uh, is can you? Is it can you like reveal some of the stuff that we'll be doing in terms of the disinformation, uh, ensuring that we are ahead of it and helping to improve the integrity of the process? Yeah. So, um, for us, the focus really is. You know, we are not like a political newsroom, but we are interested in uh, insecurity. We are interested in voter disenfranchisement. We are interested in political rigging or uh, any form of sabotage that affects the integrity of the electoral process. Um, So what we'll be doing is to collaborate with actors like Connected Development to also have access to their broad network of electoral observers. And like you said, we, we, are, we are not just looking at individual cases of misinformation or disinformation. We're also trying to track the networks behind the disinformation such that, because if you keep, it's like, I don't know what to call that game, the game of guacamole. Yeah. If you keep just hitting one case of misinformation, you don't achieve a lot in the, in the, on the larger scale unless you go after the actors and try to, provide evidence to the social media big wigs to say, hey, these are the guys yeah. doing this on a consistent basis. Try to remove them from the platform. I think uh, that's the that's the way to go. So that's that's something we are doing successfully in partnership with um, Code for Africa at the moment. Thank you very much, uh, Kunle, for really sharing your insight and having this conversation. As uh, I know a lot of Nigerians are looking forward uh, to Saturday. And so I hope that uh, people will be able to exercise their constitutional rights to vote and yeah, as journalists we'll also be doing our part to ensure that that process is safe free and fair and inclusive also yeah people should please go out nigeria has had a terrible history of uh vote out on out yeah if you have if you i mean if you have somebody elected president and you only get 50 percent of 30 percent of the eligible electorate yeah. it's a problem it means Nobody can be president and be a popular candidate. Yes. Uh, it's just the minority deciding for the majority. So yeah. people should please, I think, go out on, go out on Saturday and and don't print the ballot papers and decide who they would like to elect them. And it's critical time. Absolutely. That's the call to action. Go out and vote and be safe. This is an episode of Human Angle Crisis Room. Join us in two weeks' time for another episode. The producer is Antonia Simoka. The executive producer is Ahmed Sepia. <laughs>